Welcome to the Tales from Wales podcast. This week's episode, very exciting. Lloyd Langford, Welsh stand-up comedian, comedy writer and occasional actor, joined me and Drew for a nice little chat. Uh, Top bloke, top chat. So uh, without further ado, please like, subscribe, tell your friends. But for now, sit back, relax and listen to our little chat with stand-up comedian Lloyd Langford. Welcome to the Tales from Wales podcast with me, Stephen Evans, and Drew Taylor. Today we've got a, a very exciting guest, Mr. Lloyd Langford. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. You've just made me a lovely coffee. Yeah, yeah, in this empty cafe. <laughs> we're, in a, we're in a cafe where I work uh, from nine to five because I'm doing really well at comedy. And uh, <laughs> I've just served up uh, two lovely Americanos, which are still steaming, which is good for Drew and, and Lloyd. Yeah, it's not very often you get an empty cafe to yourself, is it? So. No. <laughs> You, you, at any point, if you want to have a look round or like you know have a look under the table to see if there's any chewing gums or anything, just let me know. Thank you. <laughs> well, we tried recording in a cafe, which was uh, populated with with Phil Cooper before, and um, a baby was screaming in the background, and it just ru- ruined the audio entirely. So it was completely useless. So yeah, uh, empty cafe is better. I think the baby didn't get the no heckling bit. Yeah, you know, and, and you can't exactly put a baby down, can you? Because they, they don't know what, what's going on, do they? <laughs> you know? Michael Fabry, comedian, used to have a great bit about crying babies in supermarkets how there should be a bucket of water at the end of each aisle you can just plunge <laughs> the baby into <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not for too long yeah yeah, too long, yeah. yeah. Just temporarily yeah, yeah. Yeah. to um, shock it to show it who was uh, boss, <laughs> who's boss? <laughs> because, yeah you've got to show a baby who's boss yeah, yeah you've really got to like, assert dominance over a toddler definitely <laughs> are there any um, are there any babies in your family any small children in your family any uncles sort of uh, responsibilities yet Lloyd no I don't I have some cousins, but um, they've they're all grown up now, so they're all like ten plus, I think. Yeah, you gotta so get like a bigger box, bigger box of water. <laughs> yeah, like a coffin <laughs> or a tin bath. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm just showing them a coffin would be, would be enough to keep them in check, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. See yeah. this, beer? Uh, yeah. How much does that cost? <laughs> Why are we buying this in the supermarket? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was 2020 treating us so far, then in, in the future now, 2020, is it going well so far? I know it's only the, the 12th of January today, but... Uh, well, yeah, I have, I've only just started gigging again. I, um, I took some time off over Christmas, um, and then I went away on holiday as well to Barcelona. So I was just at the Glee in Cardiff, and I had a conversation with one of the other comics where he goes, Oh, I haven't done a gig for three weeks. And I was like, oh, fuck. I think I haven't done a gig for longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> it was like just over a month. Um, but yeah, we know it was, a fu- it was a fun weekend. Did you find it was a bit of, like you did, th- you talked me earlier, you did Thursday, Friday, Saturday, didn't you? Did you find it a bit of ring rust? Or did you find a little bit, did you feel a little bit unsure of yourself at first? I or? think you were a little bit, I was a little bit looser at first, or maybe on the Thursday. But I actually think that can help. Because you just, you're, you're having to think on your feet a bit more. And, um, also, there was a couple of properly eccentric, weird people in, like an older couple that were like rich, and 
like they, Monopoly blocks sort of, sort of well, man like well the woman complained about the quality of the wine before the show oh, started <laughs> in the glee yeah so yeah, yeah you don't go to the glee for his drinks do you it's, it's, not, it's, not, the, it's not the purpose of the thing right? I'm not sure um, how suited they were for the comedy but then um, they would they were just heckling but in a way where you couldn't really you couldn't really deal with them. You just had to roll with whatever they were saying. Yeah. Like if they would say something mad, and then you couldn't sort of query it because in their own, own internal logic, it was fine. Yeah. So you just have to sort of run with it. But it made it made it more fun, more <laughs> exciting. I have a new new bit about um, suffering from sleep apnea, and maybe like ten seconds into it, the woman just shouted out, "You're gonna die of a heart attack." Wow. You should get life insurance. <laughs> is that medically accurate? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Jesus, or Did she have a stethoscope on? Like or a crystal ball or something like or tarot cards or something. So do you actually suffer from sleep apnea? That's yeah, I've, I've, I need to go and get... I think you can go and get like properly tested. Is that when you stop breathing when you're asleep, is it? Yeah. So I, sno- oh, I snore a bit and then I do that thing where I stop breathing. Um, and it's really... My mum has the same thing, and she right. has to wear one of those, like, Darth Vader-type masks. So your house is never burgled in childhood. No. <laughs> I've been putting off, do, uh, I've been putting off, but apparently you can go for a test, or I don't think they give you some kit, or whether you have to go to a hospital and sleep and then monitor you or something, I don't know. But I need to do it. So just go, go, go prove it to them. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they can be like, oh, you just snore. Do those, those strips on your nose help? I've tried them, yeah. and I've tried the nasal, there's like um, a spray that goes on the back of your throat, mm. and um, they don't work. I mean, I say they don't work, like I'm... I'm having a whale of a time, but my girlfriend's fucking furious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a lifeguard Saturday all night making sure you die. It's like sleeping next to a hippie festival, probably, isn't it? It's quite funny because I, I, I'm not sure if I'd want to have people, you know, monitor me while I sleep, you know, because I, I say some weird stuff, I do some weird things. I, mean, I remember what you telling me before Drew had that app. About uh, that, that would um, measure you snoring. Yeah, I didn't really measure you snoring, did they? No, well you can you can, yeah, you can get apps on phones now for pretty much anything and everything, can't you? But I got an app, it's a sleep talk recorder. Oh yeah. Put it on a record. It only talk, it only records when you make noises. But I don't talk in my sleep. I just fart really loudly, and it, it's it's hilarious, so you know. If you've got a ch- if you're that way inclined, that uh, yeah, not a lot of talking, just lots <laughs> of. Especially if you've been for a curry or something, you know, two piars. It sounded like a ring piece karaoke or something. <laughs> that was brilliant. Like, it was just nice to listen to. It was like like whale noises, but <laughs> if they were on fire. I've been having some like, really strange dreams lately as well. I um I get I, get, I, I don't have like recurring sort of dreams. Like, when I was younger, I used to go and we're like you'd run away from somebody, but then they'd eventually catch you up, and okay. that now would happen over and over again. Or yeah. I'd be fighting with somebody, and I'd be really weak, and I couldn't do it. But a dream I get a lot now is I got a show to do. I gotta get there on time, and I'm always late, and I never get there on time. But last night I dreamt that I was controlling the badger for Bodger and Badger, oh, and right. I was doing a really, really shit job of it, and I couldn't remember the song, and I was really, really messing it up, and everyone was like, "Oh, it's rubbish." And I, I, it was quite, a, quite an anxious sort of dream. Like, I mean, of all the sort of puppetry jobs to have, that's a really difficult one to mess up, isn't it? The yeah, Badger yeah. from Bodger and Badger. Yeah, all those so much so much potato. And we'll open the mouth every now yeah. and again. How much money did he make? You know, like, what's his job? Oh, well, <laughs> well he, 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 sadly, and you know, don't speak ill of the dead. Um, Bodger, whatever his real name may have been, he passed away a couple of years ago. Didn't he? The, blo- the bloke has oh, died. Oh, you know, her her puppet, yeah, I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry to break that to you live on the. Well, that's what Kate said. My wife, feet. I, said, I, said, I said to my wife, Kate, oh, the the bloke from Bodger, the, the, 
Badger from Badger and Badger's day. She said, oh, which one was that? The Badger. <laughs> well, no, the Badger is Badger. Yeah. And also, he's a puppet. He can't yeah, die. Yeah. Like. It's weird, doing not it? You had like Rod Hell. Remember Rod Hell with the emu and stuff? Like, he died. He went up on, onto his roof and uh, went to like, move the sky dish, fell off and died. Yeah. Like, well, emus can't fly, so you can Yeah, yeah no, that's it. Like. Neither can skinny, wiry ginger books either. So, <laughs> yeah, he's trying to fix his Rest in peace, Rod Hell. Mm. Moral story, never fix your area yourself. No, get someone in to do it. Don't be tight with your money. I That's think it was during a, a Portland football game. It was, it, it was, and some will probably call us up on this, but it was Manchester United versus Inter Milan, <coughs> I think. All right. Back when it was on ATV and it was like, you know, couldn't couldn't Sky Plus it and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, but, um, so with this sort of. <laughs> didn't, didn't get to see the end of the game, did he? Well, <laughs> But, uh, but, uh, what yeah. was the result? Or penalty, penalty shoot on sound. But um, <laughs> so like with this inf- sort of break you took up before Christmas, was there a particular reason for that? Do you want to sort of take it to sort of write or take away from comedy? Uh, no, I used to do a lot of Christmas gigs, um, and then they basically they're the worst gigs in terms of the audience because they're office parties a lot yeah. of the time. Someone forced comedy, like someone has sort of invited all the work staff out to see comedy, and they don't really want to be there. And I don't blame them for that. They want to be talking to their mates, chatting, drinking, yeah, drinking, whatever. The other thing was, I, I, I mean, I don't know whether this is like rose tinted glasses, but I remember cr- Christmas gigs. You always used to get because they were worse gigs, and because people were paying more for the tickets. They used to be financially worth doing. Yeah. Whereas I think now, probably supply in terms of the number of comedians probably overwhelms demand. So a lot of Christmas gigs pay the same or maybe like a little bit more. Mm. And so I think at the end of the year, they can be really dispiriting. Like before Christmas, you're like, I've got to, I've got to do like, and you always do more of them as well. So yeah. maybe normally you'd be at a club for like three days. You can be there for like six or seven nights or something. You're in the same room, and you're like, "This is my final, you know, piece of work before Christmas," and it just puts you in a bad mood. Yeah. So I actually, I do sometimes do them, and then, but if I if I can avoid doing them, I won't do them. And then I got like, um, I got a job writing on a TV show, which was um, alternative election coverage on Channel Four. Right. Um, the night of the election. And I was like, all right, I'll just I'm gonna do this, and then I'm gonna stop for the year, and then I I mean I normally take time off over Christmas anyway, and then um, yeah I went on a little holiday January the second, so I got only I only I only got back like on the night of the eighth I think. Ah, where did you go? Barcelona. Oh yeah, just yeah, yeah. yeah. Class out there. Nice out Barcelona. Really nice place. Right? Yeah, what, what? it was. I mean, it was. I the last time I'd been there was on a absolutely horrific stag do. Define her thick now. Well, it was. I mean, I used to do material about how bad it was. Yeah, we went to. It was one of those ones where, like, it was a bunch of blokes from Port Talbot who went to go to Barcelona and then stay in like a sports bar, <laughs> drinking yeah, so all day. A contrast of culture and a culture clash, shall we say? We went <laughs> to <Tony> Carlin. <laughs> we went to a. Uh, it was like a sex shop slash strip club. Right. <laughs> and they also had these little cubicles in the sex shop where you could watch a pornographic film. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> put, you have to put money into the... Keep feeding money into the um, slot, you know, in order for the film to keep playing. And one of my mates was in there watching a pornographic film and masturbating and run out of money or dropped all of his money on the floor. And so you know like the automatic train door toilet. Yeah. Ah, oh, no way. It's sort of slow, the door sort of slowly open to reveal him like wanking to the entire shop. Brilliant. Like it was like one of those, what actually happened was, I said I can't do this for like four days. So me and a couple of other guys sort of formed like a splinter group. <laughs> we were dubbed the gay team. I went and got, went and got some culture. <laughs> so we went, I went to the new camp and I went yeah. to the Sagrada Familia. That's the big Gaudi, um, yeah. half-finished yeah. castle thing. Park Gwell, which is like a Gaudi design. So yeah, actually the, the rest of the trip was fine. Some of the memories um, from the earlier <laughs> trip. So yeah, we, just had, we, we had a pretty relaxed... Um, we didn't go in, into any sex shops. Um, it was just like a nice little break. What's it like in, in January in Barcelona? Is it quite sort of mild? Well, I, it, the, I think traditionally it's not that big of a touristy time. So it's a bit quieter yeah. in terms of the people around the place. And it was like sunshine every day. Still pretty cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was great. They do a thing, I think it's the 5th of January is... I think is their traditional sort of the night before Christmas presents for the children. Yeah, so it's to do with when the three kings arrived. Yeah, the three kings arrived. Because that's when the presents arrived. Yeah. Thing, yeah. So they have a boat basically comes into the harbour with three kings on and there's nice. like thousands of insane Spanish children like <laughs> going mad. And then they have like a big parade through the city where they throw out sweets and stuff. So that was... I mean, that was pretty wild, like, I, I enjoyed it. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Well, a boat is quite, is quite nice, and sort of almost like a... Sort of like a sleigh, Roma. is it? Yeah, but a bit of Roma sort of boat. Like, I think in Porth, where I live, they have, like, Santa on quad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite the same <laughs> thing. When like. I was a kid, there was Santa sleigh being pulled by a Land Rover. <laughs> uh, West Wales agricultural <laughs> area, you know. People are like, whoa, look at that, Land Rover. Was it a Defender <laughs> as well? A Land Rover no, no, and there was a beaten up farmer as well. I think ah. they had, like, three different doors from over the last 40 years on the other side. It was great. But do you find, like, obviously being self-employed in a, cr- a creative industry, do you find, like, taking time off quite hard or quite sort of... Do you feel you're missing no, out? I you love it. You love it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were speaking of Jack... Well, I think... Speaking of Jack Perrett last week, and he said, you know, Christmas now, I've had time off, and I feel like, oh, I'm missing out. I'm not, I'm not doing what I should be doing and things. Do you, you find the opposite, do you? I think you... I think I have felt like that in the past. Like, certainly when I started out, and you think, oh, I have to be working every weekend. I have to be... I have to be doing five gigs a week. Yeah. I have to be doing all this kind of stuff. Match fit, that kind of stuff. And, and I think there's an element of truth to that. Obviously, you know, if you're not gigging, if you're only gigging every couple of months or something, then you're not, you, you aren't sort of match fit, like you say. But I also think you can get a bit sort of um, stir crazy if you just yeah. if you just go in from gig to gig to gig to gig to gig. It's a lot of travelling involved as well. It's like when are you taking time out to re- to relax, but also to write. Yeah, I mean you can write on. I know. I always have ideas. Oh, I'm gonna write in the train or whatever, and then someone else sits next to you, or yeah. you know, there's like a family that want to sit at the table, and you're like, oh, I gotta move out the way, and like, so there's that. I think it's healthy to have. I think it's healthy to have time off. I mean, it depends who you are as well. Like when when I was a new comic. Mm. 
I wouldn't want to take any time off because it's just like oh, I'll do. A, I just want a gig, you know. I want to gig all the time. Yeah. But I think the more you do it, you. I'm a bit like. I know as well. I've got a bit of quite a busy year coming up, so I'm not as guilty about taking time off. Yeah, because you you know things are in place already, and you want to plan and prep for that. But obviously, if I did, you know, if you, if if you're in a situation where you're like, oh, I haven't got many gigs in the diary, then you just want to you want to put more in, you want to keep working, you want to you want to you want to be at a level, I think, where it's comfortable for you. Yeah, yeah. But do you, like sort of similarly say like obviously gigging gigging so so frequent of things. It's anti social hours as well, isn't it? And like you're only seeing comics then as well, and it can get a bit, like you said, a bit insert, a bit sort of stir crazy, and it's nice to step away from that and sort of, excuse me, like real life then as well, isn't but it? But also to do stuff. I mean, yeah. you see comedians that, you know, you watch them doing 20 minutes and all the stories about things that have happened to them at gigs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, you know, it's like, oh, I was at this gig, or this happened, or someone said, you know, I got heckled with this and that. I think. You know, I'm not saying that doesn't work, but like as an audience member, it's not that relatable, is it? I don't no. know how relatable it is, or yeah. you know, if all your stuff if you're is not about a big comedy fan either, like yeah. So I think it's useful to just to take time away, have experiences, yeah. do other stuff, you know, and you you can still like I I I also try and mix up gigging with writing yeah. and doing other stuff as well so I think if, we, if you just gig in, in from my point of view I get tired of it yeah, yeah. and then if I'm not gigging and I'm just writing on stuff I want to gig so it's trying to you want to try it out don't you yeah and yeah. you want to try and balance out yeah I enjoy having different aspects of what you do a comedy like you said you've done stuff with session and things isn't it? And, yeah, yeah. and a bit of radio stuff I like having the, the mixture of things rather than just to similarly just gigs 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 like yeah the variety of it yeah. I think you read it sort of helps you, and sometimes you can't. You know, you can't help it. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this festival. I'm just gigging for a month or yeah. whatever. Or I'm working on this TV show. I'm just writing jokes for someone else for a month or whatever it is. But then you can go. All right. Well, I've done a big chunk of that now. Now I'm going to move on to something different. Just to keep it... Well, it keeps you interested, yeah. doesn't it? You know, like I think that, you, you know, if you're gigging all the time, you're gigging like five, six nights a week, and then you tend to like... Well, I go into like... I don't remember the day times, I just remember the <laughs> night times. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll spend like eight hours doing something, and say, what should I do today? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I just sat there and stared at a wall, waiting to go to a gig. Yeah. And you go to the gig then, it's like, ah, brilliant, there's six people in here, you know? One of the funniest stories I think I ever heard was, uh, I think uh, uh, there was a... There was an op- open mic gig up in Cate's in Cardiff, a student gig, and uh, there was like five comedians on the bill, and no students came to watch the gig, and there was only two the run by Cardiff students. No, 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 run by some Cardiff comedians. Right, but it's because it was a student area. You'd think they'd come in and, and get yeah. pissed and have a laugh, but there was no students in there. There was just two old men in the audience. One of them was asleep. The other one was heckling. <laughs> I was absolutely like I would have loved to have been there, but I would have hated to gig it. But like to watch that would have been amazing. Like you know, one song and the other one, ah, shut up, you rubbish, like that. Who are we performing to? Like a bookcase or a barrel or something? Like like you do have obviously not obviously not at your level. Lloyd 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 has been doing this for years. How many were in uh, the Glee Club this weekend? Hundreds, hundreds. You know, you don't have to worry about two old men, no one sleeping, no one bookcases or barrels. No, no, but like um. But you know, I think there is an, uh, an aspect of that when you when you do go out and you do gig, you get really excited like that, and all it takes is for one bell end just to like, oh, 
why is he even alive? Well, head clean or something like that, or just ruining stuff. We were talking last night at the backstage about um, doing gigs to no people. <laughs> so I did a gig for Avalon once, which was Coventry University, and they had printed the wrong date of the gig on the posters. Right. And also, the, the, um, the date where I went to the gig, it was like their reading week, so, all, so loads of students go home for yeah, reading. Yeah, yeah. So it was at the university bar, and there was no one there. But there was a manager of the bar and the barman and um it was me and Russell Kane and um I was on first had to do like twenty five minutes or something and Russell Kane had to do like forty five minutes. <laughs> but he wasn't there yet. And uh, I said uh, th- this isn't gonna happen, right? This is no one you and the manager said, Well, I'm not paying you unless you do the gig, you know? Oh come come on and, like, and uh he said, I if you want to go now I'll give you half the money which was like 75 quid or something and I was like no I'll fucking do the gig mate <laughs> <laughs> he, he, said, he said oh it's just me you know, you're going to have to perform to me and the barman I was like alright so I did the gig <laughs> did they stay there the bar? no he left yeah. the manager left the barman was there at one point two couples came in there was a pool table at the back of the room and started playing doubles pool and I, I was so like annoyed at the guy making me do the gig that I started commentating on the pool game. Really? <laughs> oh, that's a bad shot. <laughs> or, or he, I was like, he doesn't know what he's doing here. They got embarrassed and left. And then a bunch of guys came in towards the end of my set and started heckling. And um, and then Russell Kane arrived. <laughs> and I was like, guys, I, this is the headline. <laughs> You've got 45 minutes to shout at him. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Save it, save it for Russell. So, how long ago was this? Oh, I mean, this this has got to be like, I reckon, 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah, so Russell would have been doing a lot of BBC3 and stuff at the time as well. Like, so, yeah. he would have been fairly recognised yeah. to, to that yeah. sort of demographic. Like, so, quite, quite bizarre, really. But I did, I spoke to before Christmas, I did a couple of, I've had a Christmas gig sort of month in December, and I've always heard comedians saying, like, Christmas gigs, and all the old fun, and I thought, oh, yeah, you know, you just be a bit soft. Like, but it was a mixture of, like, club gigs which are fine and then Christmas parties and yeah. things like that sort of like sort of independent bookings corporate, corporate yeah that corporate. sort of thing and it did the one with the builders down in Bridgend lovely lovely as long as you kept me checked they were great yeah. Sunday then golf club up in Lancashire absolutely horrendous it was bizarre they didn't want me there it was 90 people in the room but 70 walked out <laughs> and, and you know that, that I, you know, no reflection on me the, the chairman was just staring at the table and wouldn't look up at me so I only did 15 minutes and walked off. They complained and they didn't do wrong enough. I was like, hang on, if you want me, if you don't want me, you're like, why are you sort of complaining? I mean, that's the thing as well. I think sometimes those kind of gigs, you know, not to be sort of pessimistic or anything, but sometimes you turn up to a gig and you go, well, this is going to be a disaster. Yeah. And they, they don't understand, you know, they're like, oh, no, it's going to be great. And you go, well, there's no microphone. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, I'm performing on the dance floor. Yeah. And then the front row's 50 foot away. Yeah. Or, you know, there's sound coming from the room next door that everyone... Yeah. Like, those yeah. kind of things. Half the audience have gone back there back to me. <laughs> I remember doing a gig quite early on with Steve Williams. Um, and uh, we turned up, it was like a university gig. And I, when I started out, I'd still a bit, I'd always like turn up early, yeah. too early really. Just want to be in the gig, want to look around the venue, go get some food or whatever. I don't yeah. want to be like rushing to the show. Yeah. And um, 
we arrived and Steve Williams, you know, the, the room was just set up so badly. And um, he said, oh, he said, we're not, we're, we're going to sort this out. So we spent a good hour, like, moving chairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and telling them, like, all oh, right, we're going to sound check, we're going to move the lights, can we turn this disco ball off? Like, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Knock your it's imperative. It's imper- you like, have to do it. And that's time well spent. They taught me a lesson because yeah. you forget sometimes. Like, you know, depending on who the promoter is, sometimes they're really invested in the show. And they're like, right, we'll do anything to make it work. Yeah. And this kind of thing, it was like a student union. They had someone who was a, you know, bar manager who didn't really give a shit. Yeah, and they might and not have like, done comedy before, maybe the first one. No. He was like, Steve was like, it's up to us to sort out. Yeah this element of the room and you know I think that's a good tip as well like if you get if you get somewhere early and like I don't know this old cabaret seat and all the chairs yeah. are facing the wrong way well, a nice moat between the stage <laughs> and the front yeah. row that's a good yeah. run a good, good four sharks in it <laughs> yeah you to take close our right down but um we've mentioned earlier about being like um when you were a newer comic or sort of a, a young comic like how long have you been performing for now uh well I started doing stand up really when I was 18 right so was, that's 18 years ago yeah but that was I was a student university and um, I did some gigs and I did So You Think You're Funny which was in 2002 I think August 2002 yeah I did The Heat in Birmingham Cheeky Monkey and then I mean they call it a semi-final but I think there were like 10 of them or something in Edinburgh yeah, yeah. and um that's where I first met Rod, and that's where I first met Matt Ford as well. Right. In the, we were in the semi-final, and I, th- Rod won the semi-final. I don't actually know who won the the overall, com- the, the overall year, competition, like. but I was completely green. Like I'd had, I'd maybe done seven or eight gigs, um, that year. Yeah. One of which was the, the the heat and the cheeky monkey, so I didn't really know anything. I knew about it. Like I. Before I went to university, they used to do this TV show called Edinburgh Bust. It was like a BBC documentary. Right. And I remember watching that before I went to university. That's the first time I saw Daniel Kitson. Right. And Emo Phillips was on. I think maybe Adam Bloom. There were like a few people. They were following different comedians around Edinburgh. Um, so, so on stage and off stage sort of stuff as well. Like was it? Yeah, it was... Um, I think... Kitson had just won something maybe and, and they had a they had a brief clip of him and um they were for Emo Phillips I think was like one of the big sort of draws of, of the fringe that year. Yeah. Yeah. So they were sort of following him round and showing all the gigs he was doing and all that kind of stuff, you know. And it, and I previously to that I'd done like some youth theatre. Right. And I'd done a little bit of like a MC comparing stuff at my secondary school, making jokes and yeah, that I kind of I thing. Yeah, that that's kind of thing. But nothing like. And I saw a gig in university maybe two weeks in. It was um, like a freshers gig with Chris Addison and Francesca Martinez. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I want to do this. So that was the thing that I was like, oh, this is actually like a viable. I'd never seen stand-up before. Yeah. You know, you see stuff on TV. Like yeah. I don't, I don't know if there were, I'm sure there were like, because I was in Port Albert, there were like probably club, you know, working men's club comics that I wouldn't see because I was, yeah. like, you know, too young. But I think with the, how, how the scene has developed over the last 15, 20 years or whatever, it surprises a lot of people when you realise that the Glee 
wasn't um, wasn't open before 2002. It's only been nearly 20 years, like. Yeah. So that I mean, I'm sure they were touring comics in the Grand in Swansea and yeah. maybe the Princess Royal, but pretty mainstream, like you know, like Roy Chubby Brown and yeah, yeah. Um, well, Frank Skinner would have been doing that sort yeah. of thing. Oh, yeah, all the old boys like Barry Cryer and that kind of stuff. Yeah, Jim Davidson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the f- that so that was the thing where I was like, oh, maybe I can do some stand up. And they they had like. Um, open mic commi- uh, nights in the university but it was like open mic for anything like yeah, music, music poetry. poetry monologues whatever sketches pan pipes yeah everything Juggling. <laughs> <laughs> and the woman who was in charge of the theatre one of the theatre companies said oh will you host this you know hmm. so I was like oh yeah great and then started from there also they used to have Warwick University where I went to university was the only university I think that had a we- comedy universities was usually either provided by Avalon or off the curb right. and Warwick University had comedy provided by both alternate weeks yeah nice or alternate fortnights I think the comedy was every two weeks so there was a big variety of people going through like my first year I saw Kitson in the art centre my first year yeah um my, one of my housemates was from the same village as him and he knew him so we went along together but then in the um, comedy network as it was called I saw like Noel Fielding um, Dar O'Brien Jimmy Carr Lee Mack um, Roger Monkhouse Craig Campbell Lucy Porter Sarah Kendall like mm. all these people and it was like three quid or something That's to yeah, yeah. That's so it was, and it was like you know quite a small low ceiling sort of like it was a or John Oliver as well Zaltzman yeah. um, it was like a perfect room for comedy basically right to the top and um, the, there was a girl that was running the comedy that really knew her stuff mm. so it was always sold out as well um, and it was just a really like exciting I don't know it was a world I was unaware of yeah, yeah. yeah. and I had all these people that were like you know they were pretty much at the top of their game doing these and now we've gone on to bigger sort of things again like is um, Cardiff University used to have a similar one and Dan Mitchell used to run it I mm-hmm. think if I, my memory serves me rightly and some of the acts going through they would say £4 to get in five pints, four pint jug for fiver I think I saw Carl Donnelly and Craig Campbell one night and Dan is you know, five, yeah. and on my doorstep as well that like, was one of the I remember doing Cardiff was a Avalon one I think yeah but um, yeah there were those there was a big network all over the UK, which I think now has been pretty much broken up. I don't think it's as much as a thing, of a thing anymore. Yeah. There's still university gigs and stuff, but yeah, they would. There were so many of them that I think people used to. Certainly, Avalon model was a. You would go up to Edinburgh and lose a lot of money, and then <laughs> make it back. Throw it back through the uh, like through the through the comedy yeah. network. Yeah, that's nice. a, a slight enhanced reputation, like. <laughs> So you so I'm just surmising now. Like based on that, you haven't really get, didn't research really start gigging in Wales, and you started gigging at university, and then you're London-based now. <coughs> Did you go from uni to London now? Did you come back to well, Wales I, a bit first? So I was doing that. I met Rod in Edinburgh, doing so. You think you're funny, and then I bumped into him. I was still in university. Bumped into him on a train. He was going to a wedding or something. Yeah. And I said, oh, you know, we were in that. <coughs> so you think you're funny. Showed uh, semi-final together and stuff. And um, he said, oh, yeah, um, I'm doing a show 
next year in Edinburgh, if you want to come up and fly here for it and live with me and do some gigs, basically. So then I used to do that. <coughs> First show he did was uh, Three Men and a Giant, which was him, Greg Davis, Steve Hall, and Marek Larwood. Right. And then he did a half hour each, him and Mark Watson. The following year, then? Yeah, the, the Stereo Comics, that was called. Right. <laughs> 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 I love um, good in the title. <laughs> and I used, to, I used to go up, stay with him, fly uh, for the shows in the day, usually with someone else, like with Rod or with Greg or someone, yeah. and then try and do some open mic gigs. But that was like, I don't know, you, there were far, far fewer comedians, it felt like. Yeah. Mm. And because um, we were all sort of starting out together. So this would have been about 2004, 2003. 2003 or yeah. 2004. There was a sort of camaraderie and you were sort of like, I don't know, you were sort of all like trying to help each other out a bit. Yeah. And that's okay. how I met. I, so I was either flyer for... I think w- one year I was fl- either flying for Rod's show or they did this Hackney Empire New Act of the Year thing, um, which was like a showcase yeah. in the caves. And I was flying with Simon Amstel, and people are coming up and like asking him for photos and that. I was like thinking, oh, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> and he was on Pop World, I think. Yeah, he did a lot uh, of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then that's Scott, basically how. Stuff, that's how basically how I met him and became friends with him. Yeah. And then when I did my solo show, first solo show, which was um, two thousand eight, he came along to watch the show, and then he said, "Oh, you know, do you want to write for me on like Nevermind the Buzzcocks and stuff?" And yeah. I'm like, oh, this, Brilliant. This is great, you know. But I remember like being on the Royal Mile with him and, yeah. and you know being told to fuck off like 30 times trying to fly not by him by people I don't know there was there was a lot of there were a lot of people I think this always happens in comedy people who kind of start at the same time kind of form almost like a sort of peer group yeah like a school year almost yeah, like, yeah. Where you're, you're sort of all in it together and I was sort of the year below a lot of them I mm. guess in a sense because, like, Rod and Greg and Steve, they all met doing Logan Murray's course yeah. for the Amuse Moose. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was just some twerp. You know, I was, like, 18. <laughs> the boy in your 11 and all the boys in 6 <laughs> Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, they took... Rod especially sort of took me under his wing and was like, you know, you fly here and try and do some gigs, you know. And some of the gigs, you did, they were awful shows. Yeah. But they were... You was just basically like um, cutting it's your teeth. Still a value to him. Yeah, you just wanted stage time. Yeah. Did you find that like sort of valuable be- being starting out and being sort of immersed in that Edinburgh sort of sort of uh, environment and these different people helping you out and pushing each other along and sort of thing? Yeah, well, Edinburgh was just like, you know, I. You have no idea how like over, sort of overwhelming it is in terms yeah. of number of shows yeah. and um, all the different things happening and people you could go and see and you know I remember we went the first year that the flight the Concords were there yeah it was just comedians going to see them and like yeah. people would be like oh you got to go and see this show the flight to the Concords I mean there were like 
normal punters there, but we were. I remember going to see it, and the, like the back five rows were like comedians <laughs> <laughs> who were all being let in for free as well. That was another yeah. thing. It was like, if you, I remember thing. Rod sent me, don't pay, don't buy any tickets for anyone. Tell them you're a comedian, you know, and mm. and they'll let you for free. And I was like. I'm not really a comedian though you know I was like an open spot I had yeah. like five minutes or ten minutes yeah, or whatever yeah. but there was that sort of thing where everyone was like oh yeah right you know we'll get you into our show when you get us into you know Rod was and Greg and that were letting people in and I don't know there was an atmosphere of like a network you know a little bit of networking there was a bit of networking right yeah pint here or there and know? I was just sort of completely overwhelmed by it because there was so many comedians and like comedians from all over the world as well, yeah. you know, like, um, what's that, um, like Dimitri Martin and, yeah. um, that really, Doug Stanhope. Yeah. Um, people, people now would recognise as Netflix comics, yeah. almost like, um, but, I, but there were a lot of, a lot of people there for a new comedian, I think, you know, I would say, I, I don't know if it's a good idea to, to rush into doing like your first, solo show there mm. and I was lucky in that I could go up for a Several few years, years and, and just kind of like scope it out and you know see how it worked and stuff to get a to kind of feel for it so then by the time I was going up I did the comedy zone with Avalon in 2006 mm. I'd already been up there for like three or four years in a row when I sort of knew like what was happening in terms of like oh what late night gigs you can do? Yeah, good places to stay. Yeah, we'll tap up for yeah. spots and good place to charge your phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, just, I remember I went up to Edinburgh two thousand and fifteen, and my um my bank card had snapped, and I was like, oh, no, I'm gonna pay for it in like another week. So I had to go into this one like specific. Uh, I think it was by the Tron Church, and there was one of those cash points that like your card would only go half in. <laughs> so every day I'd have to go to that cash point to take my money out there, like an old man at the post office, like, oh, I better get this for uh, for burgers and pints today. And uh, yeah, oh, it's just a bit mad. I bet Edinburgh is good fun. It's good fun. I think that a lot of people can get kind of lost there. I mean, especially. I, I, as you know, I've, uh, I've, I've felt like that because it's going to be a long time until I take a show up there, definitely. But uh, it's, 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 it's mad. It's absolutely like it gets bigger every year, doesn't it? Yeah, and the places, the venues change, and hmm. you know, pl- places that are good one year might not be there the next year, yeah. or they might yeah. have different. The, the man- roofs leak in, so yeah. you can't do it for a month. <laughs> management and stuff, but yeah. I think is it, you know. It's an ex- a spectacle and experience yeah. where you can go and see shows. I mean, the latest, I don't know, late in life starts at like two or three in the yeah, morning. Yeah, right yeah, then. yeah. So you can go and see stuff. And all, v- Almost know, 24 hours a day. Like. Yeah, the v- a variety of stuff as well as comedy, theatre, dance, whatever. Like, But I think you would sort of put, describe it in a good way about a minute ago saying like, you can't describe it to somebody you can't sort of unless you go there yeah. you can't really get a feel for how big it is how much is going on and I went back in 2018 was it when yeah. we both went up yeah. and I was really glad that it was six days I did like a daily show that I was like a compilation show I was on I picked up spots around that and it was so valuable seeing it and getting a feel for it before diving in feet first sort of yeah. thing and you could have sat down for an hour telling about it and I wouldn't have been able to get my head around how big it is how, how all these posters covering rooms <laughs> I think 
he's going to be amazing. I never heard of any of these. He's yeah, going to yeah. be fabulous. Like, but it was just, it was bizarre. It was so busy and so much going on. And oh, you, don't, you, don't, you don't walk on the pavement. You've got to walk on the road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember once, me and my friend, we'd been drinking till about, I must, must have been about six in the morning. And we went to, we were starving. All the kebab shops are shut and everything. And I, we, we ended up getting a kebab from a newsagent. <laughs> right? This guy had obviously bought this crappy meat in us and you had like the chocolate bars on one side and there was a gap between the chocolate bars and the till and there was a panini press machine there like that <laughs> this guy was doing kebabs and the news agents at like 7 in the morning we're like oh, I'll have two I'll have two Can I, you're selling cans no just kebabs <laughs> Do you, how, how do you find Edinburgh compares and like you do a lot of sort of the Southern Hemisphere festivals Australia New Zealand how does it compare to them then well Edinburgh's I think it's one of the f- few sort of open access ones as well so mm. anyone can Anyone can do a show in Edinburgh, you know, you you have to apply and you have to get a room and everything, but a lot of the other comedy festivals like, I don't know, Melbourne or um, New Zealand or Montreal or whatever, they sort of invite only, so they're curated more in terms of... I mean, they have... Almost yeah, they it's have, safe a bet then, isn't it? They have fringes as well, Yeah. so there'll be people that are playing like... You know, they're not part of the official festival, but they're there. They're, s- they're, they're smaller enterprises, you know, in terms of the amount of stuff going on. Yeah. Like, I don't know, you know, Melbourne, I think, like most of the shows are like, you can go and see a show from, I don't know, 4 o'clock till 11 o'clock or mm. whatever it is. I mean, there are late night shows as well and stuff, but it's less... But there's no um, midday shows above a cafe. <laughs> well, yeah, there's less of that. Yeah. I mean, there's, they're also sort of specifically comedy festivals as well, I guess. Like Melbourne's a comedy festival. And um, Edinburgh, you know, Edinburgh is sort of like anything goes. Yeah. There's a lot of comedy there, but there's also a lot of theatre Cabaret. Yeah, the, the, the fringe is almost the comedy is the fringe, isn't yeah. it? The Edinburgh Festival itself is meant to be these at the black box theatres and different things going on there. But have we got like a favourite festival you've been to over the years? Um, I think, I mean, Edinburgh for me is the first love, like in terms of like, you know, doing yeah. comedy festivals. And I, st- I've had so many like great experiences and like you know, I made a lot of friends there and stuff. But they're all different, like. Auckland's a great one, I think, yeah. because it's re- it's in a relatively small space in terms of like you know Edinburgh's like all over the city, right? Whereas Auckland is focused usually on like a couple of almost an area of like a couple of blocks. Yeah, there's different venues in the, in in that area, and they're managed by different people. But also, the New Zealand is like really grateful that you've flown for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> such great people, though, aren't they? They're lovely. So they're very, like, I don't know, there's a sort of welcome... I've, I've certainly found them, like, really welcoming in terms of just performing over there. I remember, I think it was the first or second time I went over there, I got an email from someone that said, oh, um, we're fans of yours and we, we're coming to the show. I'm just wondering, do you want to come round our house first? For Sunday dinner, no, that's brilliant. Like <laughs> <laughs> for New Zealand lamb, uh, it was like uh, I don't know. Like th- I didn't know them from any, from Adam, you know. Yeah. And um, m- then I, I was telling the festival director about this, and she was like, 
don't do that. <laughs> you get killed. Like a start of Wolf Creek or something. They ended up doing it, and like there was great, you know, and it was great fun. They came to the show, and now like every year I'll meet up with them and stuff. And I was just from them sending an email and me going, oh, you yeah. know, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, yeah flyering with a roast dinner, so that isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Uh, but this is this has been really nice. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to do a little feature. I, I always do like anagrams of uh, of, the, of uh, guests' names, and uh, we've had some really good ones. We've had some dirty ones, but the ones I got for you were just a little bit weird. Just okay. a little bit weird. So um, anagrams of Lloyd Langford. Uh, we've got uh, Lord Adolf Glynn. Nice. Sounds sort of like German. Adolf is due a comeback, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The baby's called Adolf, is <laughs> that? You know, I, I wonder why. Um, I think this is a good one. Dr. Flag and Lloyd. <laughs> so that if you didn't make it and, and you know you, you hit the booze, that would definitely be your name. Uh, Dodgy Flan Roll. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's like a baking porn star name. Um, <laughs> DNA Dog Fly Roll. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, this is, I, I think, uh, I, I like this one. Uh, Lloyd Ralph Dong, <laughs> uh, Ford Lady in Log. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Dolph Grand Lloyd. So, because I'm saying, if you've got any like Scandinavian, like muscly uh, <laughs> grands or anything like that. But my, I think my favourite one is Dragonfly Doll. Oh, lovely! Yeah. So. When I was in university, I was asked to write a column for the newspaper. Yeah. And I did it under um, anagram, which was Dolly Frangold. Oh, that's pretty good. That's like a proper drag name, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like, just for, you know, it's 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 living every out new on like. But um, if there's anyone listening who like wants to get into comedy or is a new, or is a newer act starting out, with any sort of tips or things, do's and don'ts as sort of st- when you're starting out. Uh, I think you've got to you've got a gig really, and yeah. and try and get open mics, and you know, I was like. I, it's it's difficult, sort of riding that line of being persistent, with you know without crossing into being like a massive pain in the ass. Mm. When you're contacting people for gigs, and I'm sure I crossed it a lot, like you've got to be onto people and you know, can I get a five minute spot or whatever? And then if that goes well, you know, can I get a t- half spot? Or yeah. But then. <laughs> You know, there is a point where, like, if people aren't getting back to you, yeah, <laughs> you've got to be like, you know, should got to turn up. Use your, ju- use your judgment a little. <laughs> Maybe bit. I shouldn't be emailing this promoter or fucking. Maybe I should be looking for dress. Well, like, I'm a fan of the the schedule scend of it, send of an email. I write it at one o'clock. Oh, right. I schedule it for the next morning. So I don't look like a freak who's up at one in the morning emailing promoters. I guess schedule it for uh, you know, working hours as opposed to. I remember uh, doing a gig once with Terry Alden at Upper Creek and. We was backstage sort of chatting about something, and I said, "Oh, I was annoyed that I wasn't being booked for this gig. I can't even remember what the gig was, but I was saying to him, oh, you know, I keep asking this promoter yeah. about doing a gig and stuff.' And he said, "Look, I've been doing this for like twenty five years, and he said there's still places that won't book me. He said, don't you know, forget about it. Like, yeah. that you're never going to be able to play everywhere. Yeah." So, like, if you, you know, you can play... It's good to play your variety of rooms, I think. You don't just want to be doing the same gig every now and again. But, like, he was, like, saying, look, you, you, you're not going <laughs> to... You're not going to... 
you can't complete comedy. Yeah, no, no, no. There's and there's more, there's more action than our spots in it, unfortunately, yeah. and that's just, just the nature of it. Like. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot. For um, well, Lloyd, thank you very much. Anything, anything coming up for you now in the, in the near future? Um, I've got some gigs in Wales, I think. I'm doing a, a gig uh, in the Volcano in Swansea on Thursday. I want to see the... 16th? 16th? Yeah, Thursday 16th. Um, which is me and a few other comics like, and doing sort of like work in progress, like mess around um, drones in uh, Cardiff on the 17th of January. And then I've got some other gigs in Wales, um, Bangor, Aberystwyth Art Centre, uh, Brecon, uh, Theatre, Brechainiog, I think yeah, it is. Yeah, I think that's yeah, the one. Um, By the river. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm doing like stuff around here and some stuff in London and that in the next month but then I'm off I'm going back um, down under to do some some more gigs in uh, New Zealand and Australia maybe get a cooked dinner or two out there as well, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> well thank you very much Lloyd it's been lovely appreciate it a lot yeah, thank you very much Lloyd thanks for having me episode with Lloyd Langford uh, thanks as always for listening please give us a like give us a share invite your friends uh, maybe even give us a nice review too thank you very much as always and we'll see you next time